And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. This is one of the most iconic and historic photographs I have ever seen. The emotion conveyed in the body language is overwhelming if you understand the context behind it. In this photo, it's August 15th, 2021 in Kabul, Afghanistan. It's 1.03 p.m. and the country of Afghanistan has collapsed. The Taliban have taken the capital of Kabul and are advancing through all residential areas. Hours before, President Ghani and other high-ranking politicians had fled the country with over $167 million in cash and cars in a procession of helicopters. This is the squadron room of the A-29 fighter pilots. They are, to coin an American phrase, the best of the best and spent years in the United States training to achieve those levels of proficiency and professionalism. At the time of this photograph, when it was taken, many pilots had taken their aircraft to adjacent countries to prevent them from falling into the hands of the Taliban. This is the last of the pilots, in their flight suits, prepared to fly missions. But there was no country. The internet is down, the chain of command is broken, and communications have ceased. The airport tower and runways are controlled by Taliban. It is the end, and there is nowhere to go. With us today are three of the Afghan Air Force A-29 pilots in this photograph who managed to escape and are now in the United States. I wish to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Azizi, First Lieutenant Sahak, and First Lieutenant Ahadi. Thank you gentlemen for joining me today. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and begin. Colonel Zizi, can you give us the background from your perspective as to what was going on at 1.03 p.m. on August 15th, 2021? Uh, hello everyone, I'm happy to eat uh, to everyone. And I hope you're all doing great and having uh, great days in the U.S. to my Afghan friends. Uh, again, this is Imal Azizi, one of the 29 uh, pilots. I, whenever I see this picture, I instantly and automatically go back to that day, and I still remember all those hours, minutes, and seconds that we endure with our friends, with our colleagues, with the 29 pilot, with the maintenance, with our OIC personals. What you guys see in this specific picture, as we all say, that's as a historic, and it is really a historic picture. So, in this picture, you see a disparate uh, uh, image of us, but that was that is not what what really we we were. We were a, a, a professional. We were a, a fighters. We fight like for six years. We flew different aircrafts. We had a, a, a like a long backgrounds but in that moment we were all desperate because of we were confused we didn't know what will happen to us to our family to our friends so we in this at 103 p.m uh, actually the the chaos happened uh, event uh, like 12 hours earlier and uh, everyone and all the 29 crew were shocked because of the collapse of the other uh, province that was one of our detachment. We lost uh, three aircraft, three 29 aircrafts. One of our uh, two of our pilot got injured with one maintenance. So we still uh, haven't recovered from that uh, uh, situation that we faced to another one that it was really a big deal. Uh, so in that time, we were like gathering because we used to gather and we used to gather and help 
uh, safety meetings, talk about different scenarios, talk about our experience that we had and then um, weeks that we flew. Uh, so we will share our stories, we will share our lesson to learn from our flights, and we will prepare ourselves for the next scenario, the worst case scenario. But at that moment, we were like in chaos. We didn't know what to do. So initially, the, the, when we uh, show up for that uh, work that day, we got a verbal order from uh, Air Force Commander on our mission planning cell that we just prepare ourselves to defense to Kabul because the Kabul was the last the last spot and city that Taliban was still not able to make through it but but we didn't get the, the orders, the actual orders until 1.03 p.m. and that, that's our room that we and we also brought our maintenance to talk about like a, what is next, what should we do if, uh, I mean, the Taliban's at that time, the Taliban was already entered the city. We didn't have uh, any chain of commands. We lost most of the communications with our like uh, sales mission, planning sales and MOD, and we were in shock. So we were discussing the different uh, scenarios that we we should prepare ourselves and at least able to uh, uh, like save ourselves in, in those situations and also our families with mm -hmm. our colleagues. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine uh, what that room felt like. Um, you know, so, Lieutenant Sahak, I am looking at the photo right, I'm looking at the photo right now and, and I see that you are off to the side in this photograph with your head buried in your hands. Can you tell me how you were feeling what was going through your mind at that moment uh, uh, again I hope everybody is saying uh, great and they're happy with their families and I hope like my Afghan friends um, um, are doing good and they're, uh, I hope they get to their families and uh, somehow they use government help uh, to bring their wives and kids and their families because those guys have been through a lot of like hard time and difficulties. But yeah, in this um, picture, I'm still looking at it. And um, I would say, uh, like to describe it the best is, I would say it, it, it was like a nightmare, like a bad dream. Uh, you thought, like I thought, um, I'm like just dreaming. It's just not real. I don't know. Everything was good, like in past twenty-four hours. I mean, not like great, great. Still, some provinces were falling into the hands of Taliban. But our last hope was Kabul province, the city. And once this happened, um, it was like really hard to accept that where you were born, where you grow, where you studied, where you went to school and where you went to uh, Air Force uh, University, that will be not in your hands like in next one or two days. And all of those people, civilian people, women, kids, they will again suffer like to 2001 and 2000s. Like there will be no school as it is right now, you know, they will do like anything to people and there is no one to like speak loud and tell them like why is this happening but that happened and especially to my part I put like all of my things all of my achievements all of my studies and all of those difficult times that I have been through I just scanned it like really fast and I was like, well, you, we did everything. We suffered like to go 12 years to school and then we went to the um, academy and then we went to Czech Republic. We came back, we went to US, we trained like, we were trained like one of the best pilots. We came back to Afghanistan, we served like days and nights. We did everything, but we had the numbers. We had the numbers, but there was no one. The president was fled, and also chief of staffs in the, of the um, Ministry of Defense. There was um, 
just a new guy introduced as a um, minister of defense and also like our air corps commander was uh, in ministry of defense they were talking through some terms and things um, so the only guy which was responsible uh, in the air corps was head of the pillars uh, and those guys everyone was like really scared and that was it yeah and especially for me um, while I was in US uh, in training I lost two of my nephews before that um, like two or three years before that I lost one of my sisters uh, so yeah and I, I was like we did everything for our country but uh, it didn't go well or maybe like there was something else that we could and we wouldn't be like in this situation right now but yeah uh, I mean uh, the, the hard part is that you think like always you don't think about yourself the first you think is about like your family so if you get hurt there's like 10 members of your families that will get hurt so that was like one of the hardest days in my life thank you so much for sharing all that you have um at, at that moment at this time with this this scene in this photo Lieutenant Ahadi, I understand that the internet was down and communication almost non-existent. Now, there's one of the men in this photograph who's married to an American citizen in Texas, and he had just tried to call her unsuccessfully. But how about you, Lieutenant Ahadi? Was it hard for you to reach your, your, your family at that moment? And what were you telling the people that you could reach? Um, first, uh, I would like to thank you for putting your time aside and having this interview with us. And I'd like to um, wish my uh, friends a uh, happy Eid for, uh, for, for their families. Um, most of the parts about that specific pictures, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Azizi mentioned, and also Lieutenant Sahak. Well, uh, in that specific moment, everyone was in, in, in shock because uh, we, we were not prepared. We were not accepting that the situation would get worse like this. We came to, to uh, fly missions and to protect the, the Kabul as uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Azizi mentioned, uh, but suddenly everything fall apart and we, we realized that uh, there are uh, Taliban everywhere and, and we are surrounded it was it was really hard like like we lost communication and phones were networks were not working at all and um, everybody was was looking away to, to pass their last last words to, to their families um, and Everybody was so worried about uh, their families, their their friends, their people, like like the same situation we were, and we we could imagine that they were they were going worse than that. So I was just thinking that uh, no one is going to to. I wish I could tell them on that particular moment that no one is going to to save you except God and. God, God exists in every individual human uh, soul. So he, that's why he, he, he made you perfectly capable of saving yourself. And I wish I could tell that to my wife and my children to not be scared. And uh, yeah, everywhere was like, like it was, I can't imagine how to explain it. I, I can't think of that particular moment. And I wish I could tell them that that and we were telling with each other that that every challenge every hard time and pain that that you endures from god but if you have a certain patience it will turn turn into into blessings and we were we were we were just 
the patient and us, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Azizi mentioned that uh, we were we were getting prepared ourselves for the for other scenarios that we were not expecting. So that was that was the situation pretty much with, with everyone there. Um, I, these next questions I have for you guys, um, please feel free, whichever one of you would like uh, to, to speak up, to, to respond, please do so, feel free. This first is this, please tell me about what, as, I mean, was going on outside of the walls of the squadron room. I understand the Taliban were close by. Could you get in your planes and fly at all at this time? Uh, so, on uh, that day, we uh, we received, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the verbal order. But around like uh, mid noons, uh, we around like 12 and uh, 11 to 12, uh, we, uh, all the, the gates were, the airfield gate was uh, closed by our security forces and they were dispersed too because uh, we were hearing gunfire from uh, in the city like uh, the outside of the wall of the air force and uh, the TVs, the social media was like uh, showing the Taliban picture inside the city. So everyone was desperate. Uh, uh, our, one of our friends, uh, they had a mission to take uh, two of our aircraft uh, to the our maintenance uh, airfield, uh, but they couldn't get it because the, the security guards inside of the airfield, they didn't let us to uh, fly aircraft because they didn't have any order. So they were also desperate. We, we talked with those guys, they said that, what should I do? Uh, the Air Force commander is not responding, it's, it's phone, the communication has fallen. Uh, so we, we couldn't get to our aircraft to able to fly on that specific moment because the, the system, the process that we had, it was collapsed. Uh, so we, we had a uh, direct uh, contact with our aircraft. So we were inside our uh, squadron, but we couldn't have any uh, uh, reach to our uh, aircraft response to our uh, ramp. Mm -hmm. And how, so the, the question here is then, how did you get out of Afghanistan and how did you get to the United States? Uh, so uh, I think what what happened on that day, uh, the Air Force commander with uh, MOD, the chief of the staff of the army, uh, they were at a meeting in MOD, and they were discussing to how to uh, act or how to uh, uh, defense the Kabul city against the Taliban. And I think nobody was aware of the president situation that where he is or not. So when when Air Force commander came back. Uh, and, he, and he told us that everything has, has, has collapsed. Uh, the, the, unfortunately, the president has uh, already left Afghanistan. Uh, so prepare for every scenario. Uh, then uh, he said that I will go and uh, he, uh, he was planning to hold a meeting with all his squadron commanders, with mission mission planning, sales officers, personals to, to like a make a plan, what should we do? Uh, then at last, uh, Air Force commander came and he like uh, gathered all the pilots, all the Air Force personnel and told us that right now Taliban is inside the city. Even if we flew, we cannot bomb them, we cannot target them because they are now inside the cities, inside, they are close to the, the, the civilians, to the, the bazaars, the, the hospitals. So right now, the only thing that we, we could do, and also the Air Force commander and all, all the guys that let's, let's take the aircrafts, and fly to the closest airfields uh, from Afghanistan to at least not let the Taliban have the, the very important assets that 
Also the aircraft, the aircraft A-29, uh, AR assets, and also plus the pilots. Let's get out of Afghanistan and not let Taliban have these assets to use them to massacre civilians. So that they've, they've been doing for, for like decades. Mm-hmm. So we, we got orders and our, because our aircraft was already ready for missions, we had to refuel the, the other aircrafts as, as much as we could. Uh, by the order of the Air Force commander, uh, uh, and also we had a contact with our advisors too. We, we left Afghanistan and flew to uh, near a sea field from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand. I'm sorry. Is there anything that anyone else would like to add to that? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, it's. Uh... As uh, Mr. Azizi mentioned about um, what happened that day, the hardest part was um, like you can make an aircraft, you can buy aircrafts uh, with money, but you cannot train every pilot to be a fighter pilot. It needs a special mentality and it needs special abilities to do those, those things. There's like, you will see guys, like people with, you know, like really good body strength, but when they are sitting in the aircraft, they will like almost throw up and they will be really scared. What if the wing falls or what if the engine fails, those stuffs. But these guys, the A-29 pilots, were completely different than other pilots because every one of them had the mentality of a fighter pilot. So if we were like remain in Afghanistan or we were uh, in Afghanistan like right now, they would use us against our friends, against those innocent people that they are rising against Taliban. So they would make us to go and bomb them, kill them, uh, and in that kind of situation, um, no one can blame you because they will like arrest your family. They will have your family in their hands, and then they will tell you like to do this. If not, you will lose your life and your family's life. So the best thing is like there is none of the 29 pilots left in Afghanistan, and all of them is here. And those guys that are in Afghanistan, they they are not happy with that. But again, they are like trying, you know, to save their lives and their families. And this is like one of the hard part in life. You know, what you want, you can't get it. And someone is forcing you to do something. Yeah, that's it's and it's interesting that you that you 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 share this in the way that you did and the the fact of the matter is is that not only is the aircraft a, a value and a weapon for the Taliban to use but you as pilots with your skill sets and your training um are of a huge value to them and so all the more reason that you had to get out and you had to get away. Um thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I understand that two of you have immediate families that are left behind in Afghanistan. What if you could please share, has it been hard for them? And next to that, are your children able to go to school? What is their reality right now? As, as everybody knows nowadays uh, we are following the news and as we are talking back home um, first I would like to thank our, our friends and our allies who, who work hard here day and night like uh, Mr. Ross he, he helped us a lot here these, these hard days and so he's, he's working day and night and we hope to get some point to, to have our, our uh, families here. Uh, as far as uh, 
my family like uh, they like couple times they they came to our house like with with uh, different reasons that they're looking for a car and they're looking for military equipment and stuff if if they could find one in, in the house and my family already left the house and now someone else is living in, in our house um they're changing their place like every month or so they they have to change and go to some other place and as far as they could so they, they would be safe and uh sound and uh you know, like some families, like they have that their only supporter is now out of the country, and it has been about eight, eight, nine months that um, they they didn't have much to support the families, and families are uh, going through a lot of hardships with with different things. But uh, we thank our, our our friends and our advisors that we have here that they are still supporting us and, and working day and night to uh, find out the way to be able to evacuate them from from Afghanistan and have them over. But of course, children, there's there's no future at all for anybody. Every day they are doing bomb lots bomb lessons in in schools and in universities and. You know, making making the life miserable for for everybody. No school for for children, and even if there is a school, so uh, I mean, parents won't allow their children to to go to that school since they are seeing the the situation. And most of families, most of let's say like like a lot of families that cannot. I mean, they 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 barely support to have one-time meal or something for, for their kids. There's no work, no nothing to, to support, to be able to support the families. And of course, if the situation is that worse, so how children would be able to, to, to study and how the, the uh, I mean, the, the teachers and the people who are, who used to uh, educate people would be able to go to work without any salary and all these bamboos and Taliban are, are seeking like for for reasons to ask everybody and, and just throw them in jail or, or do something bad with them so nobody is able to, to continue and that's we are hoping to, to have uh, our families uh, here so so at least our children would be able to, to continue and uh, with their education. Thank you for sharing that, um, that reality that again, so many people don't see and um, don't understand uh, the severity of the situation, what's really happening there now. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Russ and the Upperwood Foundation, I understand, delivered food and water to your families over the winter. Was this support critical for their survival? Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, Russ is um, doing a great, great job, to be honest. I, most of the time, he would share his uh, phone notifications or the application of signal that he has 1,200 or 1,500 messages. And beyond that, he is helping like a lot of people in Afghanistan. Um, there's like, they have like medical issues, they have economic issues, they don't have anything to eat. They're like especially pregnant women. There's like a lot of things that they don't even have like money or anything but he he is like helping all of those people and over here like he is taking care of us like in in a week two or three times he will message us like if you guys need something i'm here like even about our aviation uh carrier over here that he's trying really hard to put like 
every letter together like to make a sentence or something that can make sense and yeah that was like the time that he supported people with the um, winter um, uh, and also with the food and those stuff because most of the people that time they didn't have any job or anything uh, so uh, yeah and he helped them a lot like for one or two months until they could get like a job or something you know or like um, lend money from other people so uh, Russ did really a good job and he's also like always supportive and he takes care of everyone as best as he can so I would say that and thank you Russ maybe you're like uh, um, listening uh, maybe you're hearing but you're a good man and you did everything that you could thank you so much I appreciate you I just want to add uh, what uh, Mr. Sahak mentioned so I would like to thank and appreciate uh, Ross and also the Upper Wood Foundation for for their support and, and that uh, I mean, that winter was different than the other winter for us. I mean, especially for our family, uh, because I was out of Afghanistan and my uh, other brother is also military and he, he was out of Afghanistan. So I only have uh, my wife's son and my kids are very small, uh, five to six years old. and. Since the Taliban controlled Afghanistan, so women can go outside and, and, and buy or do uh, buy their stuff. Uh, so really, thank and appreciate because they they provide that, that wood that could uh, warm them during that uh, winter, cold winter, and they brought all the stuff close to the, our door where we were where my family lived. Uh, so. I really appreciate it, and, and still Ross and the foundation is working hard to to reunite us with our families. And as Sawak said, Ross is, I mean, we calling Ross like 24 hours, we call him when we were in UB, when we were here, so whenever we face anything, we, okay, let's call Ross, and, and he's always saying that I'm available 24 hours, please call me. And I, and I think it's it's a unique. It's he's a great guy, and also as as family, I am really appreciate and thankful of. I, I think he's an example that I'm looking to be like him in future and help those that they are in needs. So he's a great example that everyone should follow. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross, and thank you both for for sharing. Um, Thank you for sharing. I would like to uh, move on to, to this. You know, it, it's my understanding that the three of you are in the second class of ground school funded by the Upperwood Foundation to pursue careers in commercial aviation. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about being able to continue flying for your career again? Uh, so I think starting a new life is, is uh, hard and, and a big challenge for for guys like like us because we we only uh, we spend most of our times in, in flying careers. We flew different aircrafts, so we had a really developed in our career when we were in Afghanistan. So when we came to USA and we. So we were new, and I mean, we were not new because we've been here, but this, the situation is a bit changed. We were like a bit curious, what should we do in our in our future now? So it's because everything is a start, starting from from zero. We should start from zero. But uh, Russ and also the foundation, uh, we when we heard about uh, that opportunity again, so we. It was unbelievable for me that I will be able to continue with my career and able to support my family when they when they come here. 
and it's, it's a great news and uh, uh, again uh, I'm looking forward to to fly again in US and, and serve uh, people uh, and fly and take people to from the destination to another so help people here as well and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that opportunity. Um, yeah, as as Mr. mentioned, like, and also I mentioned before, like every challenge, every hard time you go through or you endure, uh, it will turn into strength. And if you have patience, it would be a blessing for you. So now uh, this opportunity that we have is we are thinking as a blessing, but still there there are a lot of things to to go through and start a new life at zero and we uh, I mean we are looking looking forward we are looking forward and, and we do our best to, to be able and to use uh, from this this opportunity that that we have um, uh, to, to fly again and to not lose our careers that we have mm -hmm. uh, yeah um, you know, the most important thing is when um, you love a job or you love like doing something and, you know, like suddenly it, it doesn't work, you know, you have everything, but you don't have the luck or you don't have um, the time like to do something. And then apparently someone is like, you know, I, I can help you with what you want and to think about that that there is like almost no one to help or to listen to you or what you want and there's suddenly a guy which like puts everything together like our advisors Mr. Raz and other people especially the government of um, uh, US that um you can have your careers back. You don't have to like work really hard in other places that you don't have like any experience because most of the things in over here, we don't have any experience with that. We don't know like how to do it. The only thing that we don't we know is about aircraft because we're Air Force guys. And uh, there's like a great opportunity to study again, pass the test, and have a job, and also, I see your families, and see your friends happy, and you can do something, like to be an idol for other people to help them, uh, doesn't matter, it's like financially or mentally, but the most important thing is, I would say, is that no one should give up, no one should quit, they should continue what they're doing so that's the most important point in life as it's also mentioned uh in quran and bible that they say when you're in danger and uh after that you're in a safe place so it means that you're reborn you're born once again so then you can understand the importance of your life how, how important it is so thanks Raz and I thank everyone that they are helping us in this uh, project or for our careers. That's, that is awesome and so well said, um, all three of you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, you know, in addition to getting back into the cockpit, getting back with, you know, moving your career forward, um, what's also important, what we must focus on is so important, getting families back together. I imagine that this is, is a huge priority, of course. How hard has it been being separated for almost 10 months now? Does anyone care to share how hard that's been for you and for your families? pretty sure like family family matters family is first and family is everything and 
once you're able to to do something for your family then you'll be ready to, to do something for people and and be a be be someone useful to the community that you're living uh, uh, families are are really important and still there is a lot of difficulties although we were able to get out of Afghanistan, but still, we are incomplete. Half of half of us is in Afghanistan, like our family, our kids. Uh, so uh, you're you're trying your best, and especially in this situation that I mentioned it before, like everybody is suffering financial problem because there is no work, no job, nothing, and. Um, uh, going to, through a lot of hardships and it's it's hard to to you know manage uh, for the family and support them financially. Um, but we are we are hoping for good and and through this this program that we have, we we are able to make passports and stuff which are required for them with a lot of difficulties. Although every day they are doing bomb loss and stuff for the people to to get getting passports and get out of Afghanistan, so that way they could they could use it for for people who are outside and kind of tortured them like indirectly to be back in Afghanistan and stand beside them. But but we hope for good and there's a lot of things going on, um, especially through the foundation that. Uh, we are talking and uh, Mr. Ross is helping a lot and they're negotiating with the US government to find out a way to have our families back here so we would be complete and we would really start a new life, new career and be, be someone helpful for the community and for the humanity and that's our goal. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Gentlemen, would either of you like to, to share, comment on that? Uh, no, ma'am. Understood. I just uh, want to add to what uh, Ahadi said. Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, I have a hard time to sleep at night. Uh, because of what uh, what's what's going on in, in Kabul and, and, and Afghanistan, I still have sympathy for my people and also I mean Taliban is looking to our families. Uh, we are like uh, enter reports to one of our uh, our friends from Kabul that they are still looking, especially for A29 pilots, because they, we were the only force that been uh, like gave too many damage to Taliban. So they were looking uh, for for our families to to find them and uh, torture them to be able to to make us to to go to Afghanistan. So uh, I can I can't describe how, how I'm feeling and also how my family feels. And you're living in, in, in fear and to, to be captured or tortured by, by Taliban. Uh, so as I hope from uh, Department of State and uh, Department of Homeland Security to to ease our our, our family reunification process and uh, to to make us complete here. Uh, I mean, I cannot live here without my family. So. I, I hope that they, they uh, ease our process, uh, our family cases to to, to rejoin with us in here and, and have a uh, like a prosper lives and be able to live with, with with no tensions, with no stress anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I I'd like to go back to this photo again. For all of you, that was your last day in uniform for the Afghan Air Force. If you could sum up this photograph in one sentence, what would it be? I'd love for each of you to answer what, what one sentence comes to mind to share with this photo. Uh, 
Yes, ma'am. Um, as I said that um, everyone of us, I'm sure, they had like their own opinions. They were like dreaming their own world. Like what will they do? What will happen? Uh, but especially for me, um, uh, as a kid, I've been through a lot of difficulties and like hard times. Uh, also, in uh, 2013, when I graduated from school, uh, one of my uh, cousins, she lived in Herat province, which is towards the um, west of uh, Afghanistan, like to the western part. Uh, part. I went there to, uh, as I finished my graduated from school and went there. And uh, on the way coming back to Kabul, uh, I was in a bus. I was coming to Kabul city back to my family. And I was young that time, maybe 19 year old. And this terrorist guy, I don't know, it was Taliban or ISIS. They had like set a bomb in the car. And as we left the city of Herat, the bus got exploded. Like a lot of people died over there. And I had all of most of my body injured, my face. I still have the scar on my upper lip over here. And when I'm looking uh, to myself in the mirror, it's like such a hard time. So that was the reason that we joined the Air Force. And in the minute that the, you can see the photo, like you, the, the hardest time was, I thought like, I wish uh, I was dead, but not to see that with my own eyes, um, as I mentioned, we did everything for our country and people and in next 24, 48 hours, it will be in hands of Taliban. No one can go to school. No one will have job. No one will be stable financially. They will do what they want. And in most, most of the places, they take like the special force personnel and national army, national police, commandos, they're like hooking, it, hooking them into stones and then they're drowning them in water. Uh, mostly like you will be with your family, like 2 a.m. they will come and then they will arrest you. And then the next day, no one knows you're alive or you're dead. Most of those people are killed, but there's like the media, like the media is one of the biggest liars in the world. If there is like 10 people dead, they would say two guys are dead and then eight guys are injured. But those eight guys are imaginary alive. They're already dead. Thank you for sharing such a personal story. I can't imagine being in that room after the story you shared and the experience you had on that bus going through what you went through, feeling that you were past that, that the work that you had done, the sacrifices you have made along the way had helped to make you and your country so much safer. And then this, thank you for sharing. Uh, you're welcome, man. Uh, so, uh... In that day, so in that uh, minute, in that pictures, what I was thinking that I was hopeless, I was panicked and confused, and I still couldn't believe, and I couldn't believe that darkness defeated the light. Uh, I mean, the tall, I hope that one day Taliban should be accounted for what what they have done to Afghan peoples and all, all other coalition forces, their places not in the in the cities, not in the government offices, their places should be in the courts and in, in the prison and they should be accounting what they have done. I hope that day and I'm sure it will come soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ah uh, yeah, we, we hope that they will come. Uh, that they will come, that every individual who is doing bad things, they will be punished for what they are doing. And uh, our goal was to serve people and to stand for our country, our people, for humanity. And that's what we did. And 
uh, and I will continue doing it till the end of my life and that's what what makes life uh, beautiful and makes it count as human being. Thank you. Thank you so much, each of you. Thank each of you for sharing as you have and um, just for, for the service that you've put in for all that you've done to uh, for so many. Uh, is there anything else that, that anyone, any of you would, would like to share at this point in time? Russ, uh, I believe we have you with us. Is, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? Anything you would like to share? These guys, the H-29 pilots, they're, they're, they're like family to, to my wife and I. Um, we talk to them all the time. Uh, my wife is already planning a reunion next summer for the A-29 pilots and families. Uh, they're just a, a great group of guys. And I, I'm i a writer, and I don't have enough words to say nice about them because they're just such great, great guys, all of them. They've been through a lot. They've sacrificed a lot. And, you know, our, our goal now is to get them up in the air, get them their careers back in, in commercial aviation, and get their families over here. Uh, these guys deserve... They deserve everything, in my opinion, and we're working real hard to make that happen. I love them all. Thank you so much, Russ. And again, thank you for the sharing of these stories, for the sacrifices made. I'm so honored to share your stories with the world and help everyone become just a bit more aware now. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.